Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Uh, if you have your Bible, be turning to Philippians chapter 1. The bulk of our message is going to come from Philippians 2, but we need to start there. So this is in keeping with our, um, how do I want to say, our more personal view of our principles that we operate with in terms of ministry operation in church, okay? So you know we have nine ministry principles that pretty much guides how it is that we do what we do in the church. But the one thing that we want to do is not just have that be good and, and sound for the church, but even just to consider it in our own lives. And two of the things that, you know, are uh, uh, goals that we want to see established here in, in uh, Faith Fellowship is that we would have evangelists and shepherds, right? And so that's always going to be the, the bent, the flavor of what it is that that we're talking about and always looking for those opportunities to just glean more information, you know, about those, those two topics in particular. And so this morning, well, that principle is our leaders are servant leaders. And man, I love, I don't know if you guys were here on Tuesday night when uh, Pastor Mitch did his message on that. It was phenomenal. If you haven't heard that, you should check it out. Um, it was, it was really great. And so I'm not going to uh, try and rehash what it is that that he gave us and just defining leadership in that way. But we do want to look at what are the, what is the Bible's example of that? And I would say your purpose this morning for me to try to communicate is this, to locate our church principles in scripture, then discover how to make principle practical. Okay. One of the things I think is, is going to be key for us as a class, just in how we move forward is we got to be able to look at scripture and then say, well, how does this apply to my life? What am I going to do with it? Like I'm, I'm constantly now just asking in our Bible study, the guys to just question it. What do you want me to do with this? It's good for you to have memory verses. It's good for you to read daily. But again, if, if the reading does not impact life, then it can be empty for you. And eventually what you will do is you won't do it. And so there has to be something to this. What, why is God saying what he's saying? Why does this matter to me? And so we want to see if we can locate, and there are many places we could go to. We understand David as a leader. We understand Solomon as a leader, Moses as a leader. We can think back to maybe, you know, childhood stories or even stories that we've read ourselves later on in the Bible of just this various leader and how they serve the people. One of my favorite actually is with Moses. And when he stood in the gap for them, when the Lord had kind of been fed up with Israel, you know, the spies come back, they give an evil report. And essentially the Lord is like, we're going to basically hit reset and start with you. And he's like, well, Lord, time out. Actually, we shouldn't do that. And you really get a window into just Christ's heart. And you see Moses be like a picture of Christ in that, in that place. So we understand that we could find it. But man, I always like to go to the source. And anytime the Bible gives you an, a window into the, the person and character of Jesus Christ, uh, that's no example is better than that. So we get that a little bit here in Philippians. And so what I want to do is, which is not something we normally do, but I want to, if you got your Bible, Philippians 1, okay, just turn it to, to 2 first and for a second. And you'll see why we got to start in 1. If those of you that are coming to our Bible studies uh, have been paying attention, I'm sure all of our Bible study leaders are leading you in this way. But that first verse, it says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Okay, so for our Bible study leaders, what does that mean? I got to look at what's it there for, right? So now I got to go back. Okay, so let's do that. Our key passage is going to be this, Philippians 2, 1 through 18. And I do want to read that, and then, we'll, and then we'll get back and we'll look into it and we'll kind of lay it all out. So in that 118, it says this of, of chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God had also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service uh, of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that you would just remove me and that you would just speak directly to the hearts and minds of your people. Father, I pray that if there is anyone in this room or that perhaps is on Zoom that doesn't know you, that, Father, that they would see uh, that there is a desire for you uh, to uh, reconcile uh, with them. You've done that through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, you would be on full display, that you would be with open arms inviting all of your creation, your children and those that are not yet your children, back unto you. Lord, be with us this morning that we may consider your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the one thing here is just contextually, Paul is imprisoned in Rome. Okay, this is a part of, as you guys may know, the uh, prison epistles, which would include the books Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And so now in Rome, if you read through the entire book of Philippians, you kind of get a sense of uh, it's personal and he is encouraging and yet challenging them. And there is some window into their troubled by the fact that Paul is in this state. And so he's trying to comfort them a bit with that. And he does kind of pick that up a bit in uh, Philippians 1. And so let's turn there now, just so we can see what was the lead in into what it is that we're going to be looking at this morning. And so if I started there in verse 21, it says, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And now I would imagine because the Philippian, the uh, Philippian church there is struggling just with his imprisonment and worried about the state of his health. They want to see him again. They love Paul, uh, the investment that, you know, he's made there. And, uh, and actually they have sent Epaphroditus to him. And now he's sending them back with this letter. And, uh, and so you get that, you know, at the, um, towards the end here. But just to have that statement, they probably wouldn't want to read that like, oh, I could just hear the crowd moaning, you know, like, oh, Paul, brother, stay with us. What are you saying here? Verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Like, man, I, I got to be alive because I still got to teach you things and get that doctrine implanted and established in you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Okay, so now here is this uh, exhortation. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing 
terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. Now, pay attention right there to what he's saying. This is a very critical point, and it kind of helps us just to get our mind wrapped around what it is that he's saying in chapter two, especially on this last part in, in verse 28, when he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. So he's kind of given them this charge, right? Uh, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And this also, nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. If you showed that terror, if you lived in that terror, then essentially your adversaries would go, man, that's the token of perdition. But when you stand up and you stand against those adversaries, it's the token of salvation. It proves that. That's what token means there. It's proof. And so then he says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him. And guys, this is one of those things, if you have the means to do it, underline in your Bible, but also to suffer for his sake. This is just straight on the nose. I'm not fooling around. It's not a parable. This is just straight up what the truth is. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. And so then we get into what he's saying there. And so there's some key takeaways I want you to get just from this section in Philippians 1. And like we said, if I'm going to live now that I'm saved, then I must understand for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So conceptually, this is just kind of weird wording that we wouldn't really use very much. Now, if you've been around church, you have heard that, but this would be the concept of dying daily. You're not physically dead, but you would be dying to your own personal desires and anything that would be opposed to a pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Paul goes on to say, that living this way is not easy. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. And I like that he says that. Because sometimes your flesh wins, right? And the encouragement here is not to try to call you to something that Paul, even himself, is like, this is, uh, you must do this. And if you don't do this, you're a terrible Christian. Get out. You know, no, it's not. Praise the Lord <laughs> for his grace. It doesn't work like that. But he is telling you, uh, warning you about this wrestling match internally that takes place. And so, again, uh, we're just setting up for what we're going to look at when we're talking about serving leaders. But, again, he's telling you there is a challenge. There is an expectation from our father. There's a challenge because you have two natures in you now, your sinful nature and his spirit. And the two <laughs> do this. And so now this is why this whole idea that I, it's not just to only believe on his name. Cause think about what happens when people do that. If it's like, well, I got salvation. So now I'm just going to rest. I'm not doing anything. I'm share the gospel. Psh, nope. It's like, well, how did you get the gospel? If nobody, what if the person that shared the gospel with you had the same heart attitude, this would be a concern, right? And so the thing is, is like, man, we have to understand that suffering is absolutely should be on our part an expected result of our faith. Expected. So again, about those takeaways, let your conversation, how we live, y'all, how we live, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So if we took what those words mean and conversation and become it. So we kind of understand what's being said here. Let how we live be in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let me say it again. Let how we live be in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So now this is the, this is something that automatically can be a challenge. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things you got going on in your life. There's a lot of personal challenges. There's a lot of wants and desires and things you want to do. 
And all your buddy Dale is telling you this morning, you got to die to your own personal desires. <laughs> you should expect suffering. When are you getting to the good part? That is the good part. <laughs> it is the good part. I'm telling you. See, this is about a mind shift of just how we think about the state that we're in. When he says, I may hear of your affairs, you got to understand something, y'all. Y'all walk is not only private, but public as well. You know, Paul's expectation was that what he would hear of them is that, man, they were sharing the gospel, making disciples, you know, encouraging the saints, looking after widows. Like, that's what he wants to hear. And so a lot of times, you know, and this is where you get people who have fallen out of favor or love with the church in some way. And they're like, well, I maintain my faith at home and stay home Baptist. And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> because all that does is communicate when you do that. Now that lost person that's looking at you and you kind of have this skewed view of church. What do you think that does to them? Does that encourage them to become members? Does that encourage them to pursue the Lord? No, it does not. See, we have to be careful about these things that we try to marry together because it's good for us. It works out for us, so I'm going to do this. No. Your walk is not only private, but it's public. That you stand fast in one spirit. Understand, be unified in our understanding of our position given to us by God's spirit. We must come to an agreement there. This is why we have books that clearly lay out doctrine. Because it shouldn't be something that's fuzzy. It shouldn't be something that's like multiple choice on a test. It should be something that actually there's an agreement in. Why? Because if I understand that position, that gives me freedom, man, to serve the Lord. We'll talk about that in more detail just in, in terms of how that works out. The next thing that's a key takeaway is with one mind striving together for the faith, Guys, we must be unified in our pursuit of what God has called us to. This is why I'm often trying to invite you into spaces and places where we're doing it together. Well, I need your presence. I, it doesn't matter whether you are a leader or not a leader. You have a title or don't have a title. I need your presence. There is something. If you have called on the name of the Lord and you are saved this morning, there is something about you that this ministry will benefit from when you are in obedience to it. So like this whole, like, you know, like looking at some of the things that we do is optional. If you can't make it, hey, don't feel bad. You can't make it. That's fine. But if you just chilling, TV, hanging out, you know, and you can be with us, man, come, I'm just begging. Come and be with us. Come and eat with us. Man, we can watch some games. I love y'all know I love the cheese. Come on now. We can let's go see the Royals. They're playing some great baseball right now. Man, let's go out there. And so I, you know, but let's be together because you know what we would do while we're sitting there eating popcorn. We'll be our hearts will be knitting together. We'll be talking to men. I don't know if you've noticed. Once you are in the ministry, really, it is never not a topic that just comes up. It's just in your blood. It's like you just start talking and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're talking about ministry. You're talking about what God is showing you, what things you're learning, maybe some aches and pains of the ministry and how you need, man, be praying about this situation. Oh, I need to have a conversation. It's just where we are. So this is why this whole idea of us striving together, being unified in our pursuit, guys, we're never going to get everything that God has for us if you are not a part. You got to be a part. This is why he's telling us with one mind striving together for the faith. And then the last thing, not terrified by your adversaries. Why? That persecution would not deter us. See, the thing is, is a lot of times persecution can make you just draw back. You're like, oh, I don't want that. Whether it is we are afraid to share the gospel or it is that we're just afraid of the attack. Man, anybody that's been on a short-term missions trip, you get an attack just for a short-term trip, let alone if you consider a long-term. 
And you know that, you hear that. And sometimes it gives you pause. You know, we got people considering COD or discipleship, LFBI, and you give pause. Why? Because you're like, if I do this, that's going to mean this. And then, see, God wants us to not only believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, because that's the token of salvation. There's a proven there. And so listen. I already see it. Not that you've actually done it, but maybe you're doing it in your heart. <laughs> before you roll your eyes or before you come become anxious, like I'm about to sign you up for every single thing that the church has offered in <laughs> ministry, that is not going to happen, okay? I have to protect your time just as much as I have to encourage you to be a part of the work that is set before you. But before you do that, what Paul does with the Philippians here is offer some encouragement and a challenge. We're also going to see an example, the example. You know I'm talking about when I say the example. There's only one the example. And then we're going to see the outcome as, as a result of that. Okay? And so let's get now in your Bible. Go back to that Philippians 2. Okay? And so listen, this is the encouragement. So you heard all of these things, right? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain, that the Lord wants me to not only believe on his name, but also to suffer for his sake. It's the token of salvation. You know, we're, we're gathering you, we're telling you to come and be a part. And so then he just starts off with this very beautiful two verses. And he says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, because I need to comfort you. Paul is wise, and the Holy Spirit said, God, when, these, when they hear this, um, <laughs> their heart rate is going to go up. So remind them of something. And that's what I need to do with you this morning. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And so listen, here's your first key point this morning. Your first key point is this. Servant leaders must look to Jesus for comfort, love, fellowship, and mercy. Must. It's not a thing that you can not do at all. See, the thing that you have to understand is Paul is a leader. And what this leader is now doing is he wants to establish this church leadership and just in right doctrine, right thinking. And so now he's given them this encouragement. But on the flip side, there's still a challenge here. Because in verse 2, it says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And so listen, get this down with that key point. Leaders that look to Jesus, for these that we mentioned, comfort, love, fellowship, and mercy, are reminded to minister to others with these same attributes. Listen, you can't, you can't show up, be ready to, to minister and not also provide the same thing that you've been given. The Lord is very much about give what I've given you. And the thing I want you to be thinking is, is, is the opportunities that you have. You got a lot of spaces and places that you operate in where, remember, if one of the things we're talking about is shepherding, and also the establishment of evangelists in this class, but shepherding in particular. We have parents, we have business owners, we have bosses, leaders, middle management, ministry leaders, pastors, all, I mean, just every gamut of there is some way that you shepherd. When you're thinking about this, guys, you can't minister to the people that you're going to minister to without the things that God has given you. You can't do it. It's going to suffer greatly. So this is why servant leaders have to look to Jesus. If I'm going to try to pull that out of a vacuum of my own flesh, then what, is, what am I going to get? I'm going to get an expiration. That's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get fatigued. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to get to a point where I say, you know what? You're not listening anyway. So I'm done talking. 
I'm going to get disunity. See, there's something about this that you have to always stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I need this from you. Help me. I love that Paul says, fulfill ye my joy. Make note here, Paul's joy is only a reflection of Christ's joy. He doesn't get to have that higher than the Lord himself. It's a reflection of Christ's joy. But I want you to pay attention to something. Do you notice that you have four things mentioned here? You got comfort, love, fellowship, and mercy. And then on the back end, on verse two, he says, fulfill ye my joy. You be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Okay, so each of those, we can fit those in the order that he already gave us those things in terms of what we're looking to. So being like-minded, listen, listen, get this down. The mature in Christ must live and teach the younger to acknowledge that Jesus is at work in their life. The mature in Christ must live and teach the younger to acknowledge that Jesus is at work in their life. There are times, absolutely, that you can be in difficult situations and you can go, where is God in this? And being on the outside, a lot of times it helps you to help identify that because you can see it. You can go, well, all you're looking at is what you don't have, but I'm looking at the fact that God is still moving you forward in this thing. And so you got to highlight that. Now, think about with your children. You got to do, you get a chance to do that because they don't know. They're only looking at, you said, no, I got to go to bed. I don't want to do that. And so, you know, there's this challenge I already got. But man, there is something about just telling people and counsel often. A lot of times people just come with that's downtrodden. And the first thing is, it's like, man, God is for you. God loves you. God is with you. Let's look at the things that God is doing. So now let's trust him more on the things that we're asking for. Maybe it is this great impossibility that you're facing. But the Lord has already proven himself in another way. The mature in Christ must live to teach them that. If we're going to comfort with love and have, this, have the same love, you notice that he says that comfort, you know, if there's any comfort of love. And then in the verse 2 he says, uh, having the same love. See, the mature must remind the younger about God's love and opportunity must be given for them to show God, God's love to others. See, the one thing I don't want you to ever do is stay in the spot that you're in. I'm just, I'm not satisfied because I know my heavenly father's not either. Now I have to remind you, God loves you. Sometimes you just got to hear it because you don't feel it. And you got to always think back. That's the reference point by which you're going to go off of is you're like, I know that God loves me. So now do I have an opportunity to show that love to someone else? See, there's a unity in love like that. This is why you have to understand. It's kind of interesting that ye be like-minded and then you got the same love in one accord and there's a lot of unity that's collective. So you get a chance to both individually hit it and collectively hit it. Guys, we got to provide opportunities for our disciples, for our children, for them to be able to show God's love. It's good for them to give to others. It's good when we have our kids do things that force them and to, hey, be a part of this thing I got I loved it. The uh, five kids, I remember just running around. I just thought of this because it was in here uh, when we did the um, lunch for Kaya. And I remember there was one point, you know, the, the kids were there and they know me. I've been over their house a lot and, I, and mama was busy doing something. And I just said, hey, because they were kind of running around I'm like, listen, you get a plate, bring this over here. You do this. And they were like, OK, yeah. And they got they got to it. Now, guys. The thing was, they started because, you know, Nathan's uh, granddaughter was a part of this, too. And all of a sudden, like all the kids are now they're in place. They're putting food to get so that the Kaya people can eat. And they were glad to do it. It wasn't I didn't I didn't yell or scream. I just gave them a focus. And they went and did it. 
It's got to be the same way for us. This is why we say the things that we do. Your pastors, whether it's main service or Pastor James or myself, are telling you to give you opportunity. Man, a lot of times you got to take the view off yourself, especially when you're in difficult situations. If the view is only you, it's hard to see any of God's love. Lift your head up. The other, when it says being of one accord, we have another thing that the mature must do here. The mature must encourage the younger to live a life that has the Holy Spirit leading it. See, the thing is that we're always going to do, man, is challenge you. Hey, uh, this thing you're going to do. This is why moves are the ones that are, are touchy for adults in, at MVT and probably any church. When people are like, oh, I'm going to move here or there. And oftentimes we're going to say, um, hey, so just talk me through that. What was your line of thinking when you came up with that idea? Because you're an adult. And in your head, I got a mom and dad. You are not my mom and dad. You don't tell me where I'm going to live and all of that, right? So I'm moving. And often we'll say, well, hey, you got a church you're going to? And then the attitude's coming. <laughs> you know? And it, but I'm asking a probing question because why? The thing I'm looking for when I'm asking you that is, is the Holy Spirit at work? Are you just going to go get tossed out in the world and then be in a tailspin for the next five, 10 years until you finally wake up and go, you know what? I'm moving back. Man, I had a conversation Tuesday. Unfortunately, the old uh, do not get trapped outside ministry, but it was good. I, there were some things I actually needed to hear. And I got some feedback from a brother who talked about this for himself. And he said he really wrestled with this idea he always wanted to be in the country. He always wanted to live and have some land and spread his legs, you know. And so he got out there and got some place. And he said it got to a point where it was like a little bit of land. Then he moved states. And when he moved states, he said he remembers thinking, Lord, I, why am I out here? I don't have a church to go home to. I don't, I don't have a way that I can be a part of ministry. And he said, from that position, he said, I'm, I'm moving back to Kansas City. And he wants nothing to do with living. And now he said, I, I can't imagine not being here. Why? Because what he did was plant himself next to where God was at work versus go out on an island somewhere and then think, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is paradise. Man, be careful. Be careful. You have opportunity here. We're going to invest the word of God in you. We're going to give you opportunity to use it. I know you're an adult. You're a grown person. You can do whatever you want to do. We can't make you do anything, but I'm going to warn you. And that goes for anybody in here. Because I told you, unless this man and the pastors that he's under says, I'm going, so I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I will be right here. And I'm totally fine with being submitted to my pastors in that way. Because I trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in them. And I need to scrounge up all that I can get here. And take all this opportunity. Plus, I don't want to leave y'all beautiful faces. To do what? Be too far away from you so that when I call, my heart is broken, that I can't just come and see you? Nah, man. Think about what you're doing. Let your life be led by the Holy Spirit. You are not in control. You gave that up. Last one. Have you considered the heart of, of God's mercy? You know, when he says, the, if any bows and mercies. Man, and then that last of one mind, you know, they're connected there. See, the mature must help the younger, younger to consider the heart of God's mercy. Man, sometimes you just got to help them understand how merciful God is. Because a lot of times the way we look at God is like, He's a trickster with the white gloves and pointy mustache. And he's like, aha, I messed you up again. You thought you got that job, but you're not. You're fired now, you know. Come on, man. <laughs> that's not how God works. But that's what we think of him, like he's a cartoon character. So sometimes you just got to be reminded that how merciful he is. 
because all of us should be in hell right now, not even like later, right now. Probably you did something today <laughs> that should get you in hell today. You know what I'm saying? And God is like, no, I love you. I am sick of that, but that I love you. <laughs> you know? And so, okay, those are those things. Obviously, we get through that verse three and let nothing uh, be done through strife. Understand that that strife here mentioned is self-promotion or vainglory, empty pride. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. See, the work of the ministry shouldn't be done for recognition or self-glory, but rather it should be done with a humble state of mind and with a preference for others. I don't care about a title. All the platform that these men that I love have given me is enough. It's enough. Man, let God, God get the glory out of your life. You don't need any recognition. You know the recognition you got that nobody can take away from you is son of God. There's not a better title than that. And don't chase titles. And then also at the same time, because it's super easy, the flip side of that is like, I'm not chasing titles because I'm not chasing nothing. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you don't have to worry about my pride because it's not there. <laughs> I refuse to help y'all do anything in this place. You know, it's like, God help you. <laughs> I love you anyway. See, here it is. Verse four, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See, don't just have the concern for the challenges in your life, but also look around for those that may also need help. And I got a special note I want you to write down here because y'all need to pay attention. It says, but every man also, okay? So that just looped the first statement he said into the second. Get this down. Helping others while not being good stewards of your own life is not impressive to God. Helping others while not being good stewards of your own life is not impressive to God. Nor is that what he is asking you to do in this verse. Get your stuff together. You don't get to, listen to me, you don't get to you helped out financially, you didn't have it, now you're asking the church for gas money. And we love you and we're gonna give you to, but I'm just telling you right now, stop it, <laughs> okay? Get your affairs in order, let us help you, get accountable. If you get accountable and things are still tight, listen, this place will come out of pocket for you like you have not seen. But the thing is, you got to be a better steward of what God has given you. It is very seldom that you don't have enough. Very seldom. It is mismanagement, more than likely. Trust me, I know. Y'all know my testimony. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. One of the most embarrassing times of leadership for me. When I have to look at my wife's mother and grandmother and like, man, you know, yeah, we... We're about to lose our home because we mismanaged it because we thought, well, we're married. So that means we should have a car for Serene, car for Dell, and a house. And the Lord's going, nobody asked me for anything. So guess what, guys? You're not going to have anything from this time period. And I don't have a stitch of clothing, not a hubcap, nothing from that time period. The Lord said, walk around because this is the last time you're going to see it. And it was embarrassing so I'm telling you from experience I'm not telling you just like you know the guy on the hill oh look you looking down no been there done that you you know how you help others by your stuff being intact and then you teach them how to do the same thing that's how you help them Our next 
section here is that example, and it's only coming from our great Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And our next key point is this. Servant leaders must possess Jesus' mind of humility. Must. It's no question. You got to have it. You got to look to him. And then you got to have his mind of humility. Why? Because sacrifice will test your obedience. That's why. Sacrifice will test your obedience. The minute that you have to start sacrificing, you start dying daily, you start dying to desires, boy, the obedience, <laughs> which was a button, now becomes a uh, spectrum. Listen, stay on. If you're going to be obedient, obey. And we're going to see the highest example of this as we just kind of walk through these verses here. So he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind that Christ had should be our mindset as well, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, don't worry, you are not divine, <laughs> okay? But this is just in terms of text, talking about the two natures, that he was both fully God and fully man, you know, half man, half amazing. I just, I'm sorry, I just can't mind. <laughs> I always think of that, you know. Okay, and so... He's, he's highlighting that, right? The form of God, his divine nature, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men, likeness of men, his human nature. But get, now this is the part, underline it, highlight it in your Bible, blue letter, it let you highlight it. And being found in fashion as a man, what happened? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, listen, Jesus as a man did not use this as an excuse to disobey. That's the way we treat it. <laughs> we find ways to excuse our obedience for disobedience. Because I'm in a tight, I'm in this situation, I'm at the point of no return. I can't, no man, come on. So you got to understand something about our Lord and his example. And you know what? He would have been just even if he hadn't laid the groundwork, you understand that. It would have been fine if he had done it some other way and then required these things of us. But that's not how he rose. He actually did do it. And the thing that is incredible in that verse that you please don't miss it is not only did he humble himself, but he was obedient till he died. Okay, like, and no days off. And now let me take it a step further. He was obedient even when suffering the most. This is why it points out the cross. It is the most disrespectful time for the Lord, and he is still obedient all the way to the end. You can obey when you have to sacrifice. You can obey when you're being persecuted. You can obey when it's hard, when you know you have enemies. The Bible already told you you have enemies. You can still choose obedience. See, the one thing that's kind of sweet, and I, I love bringing it up just because it was just a, a moment in our Bible study, is when we were looking at Paul's life, of which this isn't a, a prison epistle. This is written... And brother man should have been in Spain. He never made it to Spain. But here's the deal. I was thinking about this like GPS. You know how you got point A to B. Everybody started with point A. Salvation. Let's say point A is salvation. Point B is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And really B has like B, A, <laughs> B, B, C, B, C. You know, just because there's all these kind of markers that the Lord moves you on. And like GPS, sometimes you detour. Your sin is the detour, but the minute you obey, you always get rerouted. And so here it is. The Lord just rerouted him. The Lord said, okay, man, uh, you know, here's the consequence of that decision. I told you not to go to Jerusalem. So be it. You're going to eventually end up in jail. I need you to write these uh, books, though, and send these letters out. And now we're still gleaning information from it. 
It's incredible. It wasn't the end where the Lord just goes, well, you made that detour. Well, you're done. No, you always have an opportunity to obey. So let me just encourage you with this. Let's say this morning you did that thing that should have got you in hell. It's fine because <laughs> you're not. The Lord said, well, go to church. So what are you going to do with today's message? This is an opportunity for you to obey, for you to get right with the Lord and say, okay, reroute me so I can get to whatever B is. New B, the B that you want me to be at. For, for Paul, that is not Spain. Okay, that's fine. I'm still going to minister. I'm still going to share the gospel. I'm still going to make disciples. These letters help to establish churches that he was never going to be at again. It's incredible. Man, if you detour, just get back on track with obedience. That's all you got to do. Just find a point where, okay, Lord, let me just stop what I'm doing. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, maybe physically, maybe mentally, spiritually, financially. That's okay. Just recognize it and go, Lord, what do you want me to do next? I need a next step. Never, never has the Lord not delivered that. Never. And so, man, he was obedient even when suffering the most. It is noteworthy. And it also to verse nine, wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We know King of King, Lord of Lords. And man, on some level, that same exaltation in, in some similar fashion, you will hear well done at the end. If you do well, you will hear well done. I mean, what does that do for you? How do you process that? And so, man, just as we continue going on here, I'm going to skip some of these verses just because I want us to get some time to just break out and kind of think through, you know, what we've been looking at. So obviously in verse 10, it says that the name of, of Jesus, every name should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Wherefore, my beloved, ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. All he's saying there is continue as you have been, whether I'm there or not, work out your own salvation. That fear and trembling, listen, is never losing sight of the fact it's back to God. That's how it's fear and trembling because you know who you work for. You know who it is that is the captain of your salvation. And then in verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is the one that works from inside of you with his spirit to lead your thoughts, to desire his work, and he provides the capability to perform it. <laughs> like, he's doing it. And he has this very important statement he makes. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? I qualified it already earlier. It's because it's the spirit that's giving you the desire and the capability. So you aren't doing the work he is. Don't forget the difference between that token of perdition and token of salvation. This is the proof. And so last key point, this is the outcome. Servant leaders must understand their work is not in vain. Servant leaders must understand their work is not in vain. I got to look to Christ. I got to have his mind. And I got to understand this work is not in vain. Why? Because the privilege of ministry will become the boundary of my effort. When I see it as a privilege, that is the framework by which my effort is going to flow from. If I don't see it as a privilege, if I just see that he's just, you know, hammering on me, <laughs> hounding me, ah, these people, if they would only just, you know, and I have that kind of uh, uh, <laughs> Jonah situation, man, the guy couldn't even enjoy it. 
that's sad. That book just ends so weird. And it's, it's his fault. <laughs> you know, it's not because of anything the Lord didn't do. It just ends strange because he didn't enjoy what it is that God had done. And he knew, <laughs> which is why he was running away. God help us not to be the same. It says there, two of my favorite verses. That you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Man, holding forth the word of life. What a privilege that you get to hold forth the word of life. Why? That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And he goes on to say, yeah, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. And so the conclusion is just simply this, simple. Servant leaders look to Jesus for comfort, possess his mind and understand their works not in vain. And so I, you know what I'd like for you to do is just to break up into groups with the time we have. We've got about 10 minutes. And I want us to just discuss our unique areas of shepherding. You know, we all got these areas that we kind of do. And how are you going to apply this? You know, how it is that you're going to take this and say, okay, I'm a parent and a, and a boss. I'm a, uh, you know, disciple maker. I'm a Bible study leader. How is it? What, what do I need to do here? in those areas in order to see and maybe just kind of change this funk that I'm in. Um, and so let's get in, let's get into groups, maybe like three or four, just so you can have some time to talk amongst yourselves. And uh, let's discuss these things because we got to put them in the play. Y'all remember, like I said, what difference does it make? We could memorize scripture and all that, but if you ain't going to apply it, it's just knowledge. It's got to work and do something, okay? And so, come on, groups.